This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey parents, we're glad to have you back with us for episode number 50 of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. Uh, my name is Tim Wright, and here along with Dr. Michael Gurian, and we are sponsored by our good friends up in the Seattle area, Greg Jantz in A Place of Hope, the center up there. And hopefully you got a chance to hear my interview with him uh, a couple podcasts ago. We talked about depression and children, and uh, he is such an insightful guy. I hope that you will go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and click on the link to uh, A Place of Hope and look at all the different resources they have there to help you and to help your family. Uh, Michael, it's good to have you with us today. Oh, thanks, Tim. You too. So we're going to talk today about a topic every parent has experienced in some way, shape, or form. And I want to start by telling a little bit of a story, and uh, it, uh, hopefully you'll hang in there with me because uh, there's a method to my madness. So just as a little bit of background, and Michael already knows this, we are recording in July of 2019, and in March of 2019, I had a bicycle accident and uh, blew out my shoulder, had shoulder surgery, and it is a long recovery process, six weeks in a sling, six weeks of uh passive movement, and then months and months of just strengthening the shoulder. I'm in the strengthening right now, up to three pounds, uh, by the way. Wow. Uh, yeah. So um, it, it is a long process. It's it's uh, going to rehab almost every day of the week. It's two to three, sometimes four hours of rehab during the day of stretching and weightlifting, and it's, it's just mentally taxing. And I've missed uh, some of my grandkids' birthdays. We went on vacation together, and the question always was, where's Grandpa while well, he's up stretching uh, his shoulder out? And, and uh, so finally, uh, last week, we had a chance to have three of my grandkids over. Uh, their mommy and daddy uh, were going out of town, and uh, so we had the three grandkids for four nights, and I was excited to be able to invest some time in them. And when they got over... I did not have the mental, emotional, or physical capacity to be with them. And uh, my fuse was short. Uh, we had a couple long nights. One of my grandsons has asthma, and so in the middle of the night, he's got to have breathing treatments, and I have to get to work early in the morning. And uh, I, I just I got to the end of those four days, and I was beating myself up for two or three days afterwards. I felt like a horrible grandfather. And uh, I remember 10 years ago, before we had our first grandchild, I would just pray every day, God, help me to be a great grandparent. I thought, I am not a great grandparent. So that's grandparent guilt over the course of just a few days. And I know that parents, uh, because I've been a parent, and you too, Michael, uh, we have those moments of parent guilt where, uh, you know, we can come up with all kinds of reasons why we're tired and worn out, but life works that way. And a lot of parents get to the end of the day and they just don't have anything left for their kids. And they go to bed at night, and maybe they've been short with their kids or maybe didn't invest the time they wanted. And uh, they just go to sleep with this gnawing sense of regret. 
And I know sometimes it can just become this sort of vicious cycle. You know, you have a bad day, the next day is a bad day, and you're short with the kids. And uh, parenting is not for the faint of heart, let's face it. So I thought that today we would talk with the expert, Michael Gurian, who uh, has never experienced a moment of parent guilt in his life because he has been trained professionally <laughs> to be a perfect parent. Is that right, Michael? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm guessing that you've probably experienced, um, not only in your own life, but in your counseling sh- sessions with parents, just this sense of guilt. We're not doing it right. Uh, I think today, with the advent of the Internet, uh, there are so many sites that tell you how to be the perfect parent and it's just impossible to be the perfect parent. So let's start sort of broad-based, and then we'll dig into this. Uh, just off the top of your head, maybe from your own experiences, uh, what are some of the things that, in your experience, uh, lead to parent guilt? And what is parent guilt? Well, okay, that's a lot. So parent, uh, the things that lead to it, uh, you know, are, is just parenting itself. I don't, the fact that we are responsible parents or grandparents, that we have that sense of responsibility and that love and affection for the child, which means that our, you know, our frontal lobe, our prefrontal, all those wonderful parts of the brain that that uh, make us feel guilty, they, they're they active in us. And actually, that's a good thing. Um, it means we're, we're there. We're in it. We're attentive. We're present. We're, we're trying hard. And, um, and we have the capacity to have self-awareness and see that we made errors and to feel guilty about it so that we problem solve, we try to fix it the next time. So it's actually, the guilt itself is actually a positive thing. Um, and it's a good part of the process. It doesn't feel very good though. Um, uh, but that's, it's the brain's way of helping us uh, to do all of those things. The, for, for me, I, I have to say that I have, you know, I have felt, um, guilty on and off during my parenting, um, and even now when my kids talk about our parenting, you know, interestingly, them as adults now, um, they'll talk about like what they didn't think mom did well or what they didn't think dad did well, you know. And then it just adds to my guilt um, uh, now in my early 60s, just adds to the guilt. So so I don't think I – mean, I think if we're responsible, good parents, we're going to feel guilty. And we should just know that coming in, that it's fine, it's good, it's going to help us problem solve and do better. Uh I think we should also remember strategically that almost all of the mistakes that we make are made when we're under stress. Um, that's that's really the truth. We get stressed, uh, exhausted, tired, stressed out, uh, frustrated, irritable, angry, all connected, I would say, or mostly connected to, to having stress. And so if, um, uh, or being under a lot of stress. So if, if there's anything tactically or strategically for us to do if we don't want to feel that guilt. It's when we're under stress to, to you know, if there's another parent available, let that parent be doing most of the time with the kids. Um, and don't be too involved because we're probably going to have a short fuse. Uh, pull away for a half hour, go recharge ourselves, um, go stare at the TV or listen to music or whatever it is to kind of, to de-stress so that when we start parenting or grandparenting, that stress isn't going to come through. Um, because I do think in coupled relationships and in parenting, that is actually the source of most of what will later make us feel guilty. So I don't know, those are a couple thoughts. Are they in the direction you're... Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And we're going to dig into that because it, uh, what, I, what I thought was really insightful is understanding that guilt can be a positive 
because it, it can uh, alert us that something isn't quite right. Um, and then it becomes a negative when, when the guilt takes over and we start taking responsibility for things maybe we don't need to take responsibility for. That was my first insight from you. And the second is stress. So let's start first with the stressors. And, um, uh, you know, we, we, it, there's two really two different kinds of families we've got. You've, you, you mentioned, you know, if you've got another uh, parent... Uh, they can take over, which happened for me. Uh, my wife was great. She had a great time with the grandkids. And it's not like I had a terrible time, um, but it just wasn't what I had hoped. Uh, right. But there are a lot of single parents, mainly single moms, some single dads, which just adds to the stress. And so let's let's zone in on them for just a moment. What would be some strategies for that single mom, that single dad, who doesn't have someone else in the house in the moment to rely on? What are some strategies for them to reduce stress, to get a little bit of a break, and regroup? Um, well, each each uh, home situation, each family is going to be set up its own way for that. Like if the child could be playing, so I guess we need a scenario: mom or dad, single parent, comes home from work, ten hour work day. And now is uh, nanny goes home or daycare, you know, and now they're they're gone. So now that parent is alone with the child or the children. Um, if possible, if the child can go play for a half hour, uh, you know, him or herself somewhere else, let mom or dad regroup, uh, de-stress, that would really be great. And um, that's going to be hard. Uh, depending on the age of the child, the older children will understand. The younger children will go, why aren't you hugging me now, right? Because they're they're three or they're five. And in that case, I would suggest that the parent do the de-stressing on the way home. So even if that means that the child care stays another half hour, that the parent um, goes and takes a run, uh, goes to the gym, uh, walks around the block. Again, this will depend on their home situation and their assets and resources. Um, uh, calls someone and ventilates you know, about the day. Does something for a half hour before even getting home if the child is going to be very demanding. Uh, then parent has de-stressed some and then the child or children you know uh, it's not we're not going to feel that stress as much we may still but we won't feel it as much if there are multiple children then definitely i think for the half hour let them entertain each other um because the older ones can entertain the younger and they can do things together do a project cook dinner you know depending on their age let them do that and just mom, mom has to go into the bathroom now or or dad has to go into study for a half hour i'm really stressed out and if we talked at the kids, if they're at a level where they can talk yet, four or five, they're going to be able to get this. Um, if we say to them consistently, if we say, look, here's what my job is. It's very, very hard. I'm very stressed when I come home. I haven't eaten anything. So what I have to do is I have to eat something and I have to have this 15 minutes alone. And I won't be as mad at you when you do little things. And if we consistently say this message for a week or two, the kids will get it. And they'll they'll be quite happy, you know, to entertain each other for a half hour, 15 minutes to a half hour, because they don't really like the anger. You know, they don't really want that. Um, they don't like the frustration and the, the stress response that the parent is having. But the parent, that cortisol level is up, you know, the stress hormone level is up. And, and also the parent may not have eaten anything, so there isn't fuel. And those, those are the time, if I had to pick one strategic time, I would pick that time, get some food and water in there, and, and then take a half hour to de-stress, and then do that for a week or two and see if the pattern changes and there's less to feel guilty about. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now, there are things that, um, in a sense, are sort of beyond our control in terms of stressors. We have to work uh, to earn a living, and sometimes the, the job gets stressful, and, and it's hard to let, just leave it at, at the office or uh, wherever we work. Um, and, of course, just uh, the, the busyness of life and kids with their homework and, and uh, you know, the, the normal everyday battles over screen time and all that. But there are probably some things that we as parents in this really overly scheduled culture do that brings on more stress, and maybe we need to take an honest look at some of those things as well. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. The, some of the stress can come from the overscheduling, um, always rushing the child from this place to that place, and the child's, you know, 10 and is not as well organized as we like and, and having trouble with that, and then we're mad at the child for that. And so I, I think, yes, if, if you can deschedule, we, all, we have to remember, and we've said this in previous podcasts, that the science is very clear on this overscheduling. It, it, it does the child's brain no good to, to be doing, you know, three things every afternoon after school, um, and then a fourth thing is homework, uh, it, it does the brain no good. That The brain retains very little of that, and it's, it just stresses the kid out, and then there's the multitasking stress. And then if the kid has any um, devices, you know, that's really a fifth thing. So all the devices add in. So I, I, think, um, I think your insight is very important. And if, if the parent, the test case will be the parent finds that the parent is feeling guilty a lot. And the parent then will figure out, why am I feeling guilty a lot? Okay, if I'm feeling guilty a lot because I'm not there, I'm working 10 hours a day and I'm not there, which is a guilt that a lot of dads feel and, and a lot of moms. But just statistically, we have, we have around two-thirds, around 60% of American moms uh, work part-time or stay at home once the kids come. Uh, but we have 70% of American dads are working full-time at that same time. So that's why I say statistically you tend to get more dads who look back at at their kids' childhoods and feel guilty for not being there. But obviously it afflicts many moms. So if you, you can't control that. If you have to work, you have to work. Um, uh, and especially if people are working like that, I would I would deschedule um, the kids and, and make sure the kids, for instance, are available if mom or dad is working away from the home between, you know, uh, seven and seven. Let's make sure that from seven thirty on, those kids are available. They're not scheduled on any any other things because that parent needs that time with them. And of course, ten years later, that parent will feel a lot less guilt because the parent got that. So that would be like a double plus to not overscheduling. Uh, every family is different, but is there something about routines? 
that kids can count on and parents as well that can help eliminate some of the stressors. Yeah, like if the child knows every, well, to continue that scenario, that at 7.30 every evening, dad or mom, whoever's been working away from the home all day, that that's the ritual, that that's when the reading time is going to happen with that parent, the cuddling time, cuddling and watching TV, um, uh, the projects that this child and this parent like to do together, you know, even video games. I mean, dads and sons, you know, they'll play some video games, though I don't like that on school nights, but, uh, you know, uh, so... So those rituals and routines are really, really good, and um, and especially if there's a parent who's not getting enough time and is feeling a lot of guilt, uh, absolutely. And then in terms of during the day, um, you know, just sort of during the day, I love the idea of ritualizing, like come home from school, um, and this is another way in which parents will feel less guilt because they won't be fighting with their kids so much, um, come home from school for that first hour, don't don't be doing the homework, you know, whatever it takes, half hour, an hour, let the kids go out and play, let there be, um, you know, free time and recharge time before doing the homework, because they've been in school for six, seven hours. We don't want to give them another hour right there. They need to really move around, recharge. And, and so that becomes a ritual. So they always know that. Then they always know, okay, at four o'clock, that's when we start our homework. We do it from four to five or, or whatever it is. And that's ritualized. And ri- dinner rituals are great. And then, and then you know, parents who have dinner with their kids, who spend a lot of time around the table in that primal uh, attachment that, that, that dinner table conversation is, you know, um, uh, that family dinners are, th- they're going to feel less guilt because they're going to have that half hour, 45 minutes and we want to make sure it's a sort of ritualized longer dinner, you know, not two minutes. Uh, and they're going to have that, and they're going to feel, you know, that's going to help them feel less guilt. So every one of these rituals that involves de-stressing the relationship with the child, like, no, you don't have to do homework at three, you can do it at four. Um, and every ritual that involves bonding, you know, those are the kinds of rituals that I think will alleviate in the long term the parent guilt. When you think about parenting and really how crazy it is that most of us become parents at a fairly young age, 20s and now 30s. We have no formal training, and we are also really jump-starting our careers, our lives, and all of that, and we have the responsibility of raising these children into competent adults. It is amazing that the overwhelming majority of our kids turn out to be competent adults. Uh, it just seems crazy what we do as parents. Uh, but one of the things that you've talked a lot about that can be helpful for us is understanding the, the different kinds of families or support systems and to build those into the nuclear family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we feel less guilt when there's extended family around, and that doesn't have to be our blood kin. Like, you're a grandparent, so you're blood kin. If, if parents are listening to this and they're not living near their, you know, their extended family, blood kin, find two or three others. Um, find communities like faith communities. Find these, the, or co-ops, you know, find these things that provide these two, three, four others. Because, you know, if, if our child is being parented in a healthy way also by these other people, by coaches, et cetera, then our child is getting the parenting. And and um, uh, the parenting we give is unique, no doubt about that. Mom and dad parenting is unique. But as the child gets older, um, you know, uh, those other parents, that's like second mother and third mother, that second father and third father, uh, uh, those people are also parenting this child. And so 
they the child is getting moral development, values development, um, behavior development, self-regulation, impulse control. You know, a lot of that stuff's being taught by these other people. And so um, we can feel less guilt that we have failed. Uh, I think you mentioned single parents initially. I think single parents have some of the you know, most guilt of anybody because um, – uh, you know, they feel like they they never have done enough. Uh, single parents that find these three or four others, though, you know, to help them, they can feel a lot less guilt because now they are not alone trying to manage three kids. Um, uh, you know, they've got all these others to help them. And 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 uh, nuclear family units or couple units that are raising kids, I think the same is true that that we need these others to help us. So it is a three family system. We are not we are not just a single parent or nuclear system. We want to be thinking in three families. This nuclear unit could be single parent. This extended family unit, people who are really well bonded, mentors, really well bonded, and then the third family, which is like teachers, uh, folks in faith community, let's say, who aren't to- totally bonded, but who form a kind of perimeter that that helps the child to develop. That's the best way to raise kids. And if we do that, we can feel a lot less guilt um, in the short term and the long term. If you are listening to the Wonder of Parenting podcast for the first time, we're really glad to have you joining with us. And there are 49 other podcasts that you can go back and listen to, a lot of rich material as we talk about various aspects of parenting and and using brain science and other forms of research to help inform uh, the decisions we make. We do have a website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and you'll find resources there, uh, rites of passage that Michael and I have put together, books that Michael has written. Uh, There is a link there to uh, A Place of Hope, our sponsors, and also a link to our Facebook page where we're able to augment our various discussions on the podcast with articles and questions of the week. And if you'd like to join that, we'd appreciate it. Also appreciate you just letting your friends know about this and uh, turn them on to the Wonder of Parenting podcast as well. Michael, uh, as a behavioral counselor and therapist... Uh, talk to us a little bit about guilt itself and how do we differentiate between good guilt, which will motivate us to make change, and bad guilt, which becomes obsessive and debilitating? Yeah. Yeah, what you were describing, you know, was good was good guilt. You 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 were self-aware and you you could see that you had a short fuse and you know and everyone all of us can relate to that. We've all done that. And and then that it motivates you to go, okay, I have to, let's see, if I'm having this physical pain and I'm in this situation, then the next time we have the grandkids over, let's do this a little differently. You know, so, right, so you're problem solving, um, and and that's the good guilt, and we should, I I do think we should, even though it's uncomfortable, we should welcome it as parents because it, um, and grandparents, because it helps us to make the changes we need to make. Um, I think the, uh, and, and last point there is that if, we don't make the changes. You know, if if something happens repeatedly, it becomes a pattern, a negative pattern that we're involved in with our kids. I think that that, that sort of situational guilt that you had, that then becomes, you know, that then can become something to look at and to get help with, right? That That's actually a good guilt because we're seeing a pattern and we're not liking what we're doing with that child. And then we go get counseling, we go get help, we get help from our community. Now, where it becomes very debilitating is is we don't we ruminate and we don't make changes. We don't problem solve. We don't make changes. We don't change the pattern. 
Um, so it keeps repeating. We keep feeling the guilt. What it, it kind of becomes shame at a certain point. And um, uh, shame as, a, as we ruminate and it eats away at us, uh, that, that shame, I think, is what becomes debilitating. And we, again, would, would need to get help. We should definitely get help when we're feeling it obsessively. Um, uh, to, you know, to be a parent is to feel guilty. So neither you nor I mean that that's the obsession. We are going to feel guilty uh, as parents and grandparents. It is going to happen. We are going to feel guilty. So that's not the obsession. The obsession is when this is going on for months, and you know that means it's become shame, and let's get help for that. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection. Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Yeah, so when you talk about getting help, what would be some resources that you would recommend that parents look to in terms of just helping them talk through, think through what they're going through and what changes they might be able to make? Yeah, I think there's two sets of resources. One is the the how do I be, become a better parent resources, you know, and that's that's going to be like books, podcasts, like we have a parenting online course, six hour course, you know, these things where you where you go, I know what is happening, I'm feeling guilty because I'm making these errors, I I want to change those, I need help to not do A, B, C, and D, you know, how how does that happen? So that kind of help, I think we get. Uh, from resources that help us be a better parent, and and our grandparents could help us be better parents. Our extended family, our our you know good coaches. I mean, our the other parent who we think is parenting better than us right now could be a resource. So that would be in that category: getting resources, studying them, spending a few months studying how to to break the patterns we're in that are causing us guilt with our child. Um, but if we're feeling the shame and it's becoming. Uh, so frustrating. We're constantly angry with the child. We're angry with ourselves. It's become a psychological burden or issue. Then for that, we're going to need to get counseling, I think. And when you talk about counseling, uh, are we talking about therapists, uh, behavioral therapists? Are we talking about life coaches? Are we talking all the above? Well, there are parent coaches, uh, as you know, there are parent coaches who who um, can specifically help target the issues that we're having with our child, like, like for instance, uh, let's just give an example to be concrete. I, I have a short fuse with my child, uh, and I, I can see it especially happens when my child does A, B, and C. We can go to a, a, a get a parent coach to help us with that sort of thing, as long as it hasn't become violence or anything, you know, that's become abusive. Uh, we can get help to target that, and parent coaches can help with that. I don't think, uh, I mean, there are some parent coaches out there who are counselors, but I want to make the distinction that probably if we're in a state where, where we are 
feeling a psychological burden, which is what the shame would be, which is what the perennial guilt would be, um, perennial anger. If we're feeling that, now we need to go get you know a psychological counselor, someone who's in the mental health field. I would, I believe. One of the things that um, I have learned, being a grandfather, that I wish I knew when I was a parent, uh, is that um, it's going to be okay. And the the little things that uh, I sometimes see my kids sweating over with their children, uh, I sort of think, been there, done that, and it's going to be okay. It's not that big a deal. Uh, And that's where uh, the wisdom of others really does become valuable, to be able to just sit back and realize, look, there are people who've been here before me. Uh, They weren't perfect, but they've learned some things, and I can learn from them. So even, as you mentioned earlier, finding mentors uh, who can just help us sort of navigate through all of these various things with our kids and our careers and choices can be really helpful. Yeah, and it's such a support. It's just such a support to go talk to someone and go, okay, can you mentor me on this, you know, uh, or for it to organically happen because that person watches it happen. And if you if, if a parent is listening to this and if they'll invite one or two or three other trusted people to be their mentors, and for most it'll probably just be one, but I like two, I like three, you know, to say to them, you have to invite them because they want permission, you know, uh, they don't want to feel like they're invading or that they're they're in some way denigrating you by saying, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Uh, or or they don't want to feel they're patronizing you by saying um, it's going to be okay, you know? So we got to invite them in and we got to say, hey, I'd like you to be godmother, godfather to my kids. I, I'd, I'd like your advice sometimes. Can we go to lunch once a month and can I talk to you, you know, um, and invite them to help. Uh, and invite them to take some of this the burden off, so that and that's part of what a mentor does. A mentor not only pours wisdom in to someone else, but the mentor also takes some of the burden off the other person. And um, I think that's I think it's great to point that out, and it's incredibly valuable. We don't want to be alone in parenting because parenting is probably the most complex job we'll have in our lives, um, if not the most, then then in the top three parenting being married, workplace are going to be the three most complex, you know. So so given how complex it is, we absolutely don't want to go at this alone. We want to be seeking out others who are going to help us. And uh, and those mentors will often give us the view you've just given, the long-term view, which is that, you know what, if you're not abusing or traumatizing your kids, it's probably going to turn out fine. Um, the What the brain, the brain is really resilient and the brain makes corrections, the child's brain makes corrections, and the child's brain understands the parent. Uh, so if the parent is abusing, being violent, um, or or in some way massively traumatizing, then, you know, that's its own category. But yes, most things are going to turn out fine. And, and this isn't meant, parents, to guilt you at all, um, hopefully to inspire you. But, um, you know, one of the things that I always want to say to parents as they're trying to figure out all of this stuff is to say, you know, when you get to the end of your life, you're not going to wish that you'd spend another hour at work. Uh, you're going to wish that you spend another hour with your kids. And so to try to find really positive ways uh, to navigate life and recognize that this sacred gift of your child uh, is uh, the time goes so fast, 
and uh, you want to parent with joy and with wonder, and uh, we hope you'll continue to listen to us and this podcast. We've got some insights, not everything. We've made our share, fair share of mistakes, but we've learned some things anyway, and uh, have some good research to back that up. Michael, it's been, as always, a delight chatting with you about this topic. Oh, you too, Tim. Thanks. Thanks to you and everyone. Yes, and we do appreciate you listening. And again, go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, for more information, and we'll be back with you next time. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.